you're you're a little kid. <laughs> no kidding. Hey, everybody, welcome to Over 50 Started Over. I'm Barry Edwards. <laughs> and I'm Merle Garrison. Uh, we've had one hell of a week, Merle. Oh, my God. Uh, like I none other. Like none other. You know, that's a really Never. good way to put it. Never seen um, anything like this before in my life. Uh, to try to be crawling out of the whole coronavirus thing, uh, and then to be to go through all of this with the rioting, and you know the protests were perfectly appropriate, but the rioting is where things get a bit scary. It's uh, it's like everything we've been talking about for the past couple of months has come to a head, where the whole postmodern kind of uh, nihilistic attitude, burn it all down anarchy thing is now becoming a reality. Well, we've been bombarded by this whole thing that happened to George Floyd ever since it happened on Memorial Day. And uh, I got to say, it's just every time I see it, I'm sickened by the whole thing. It's hard to believe that somebody could be treated. I mean, it doesn't matter what he did. Right. Uh, it, it, but to be treated the way that he's treated, it's it's just terrible. He was treated like an animal. Um, no, he really sick. was. And like you said, you know, it uh, doesn't matter what he did. He, he was subdued by that time. And the accompanying office, officers didn't do anything about it. You know, but before we get into all that really serious, uh, depressing stuff, and it's hard to put a positive spin on what has happened here. No, you're right. So it'll be what it'll be. But I wanted to tell some people about some interesting things, I think, that from the over 50 starting over perspective, if you remember our special guest a few weeks back, Neil Howe, the authority architect. You remember Neil, right? He has yeah, a great bud. story. Our bud. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. If you go to... Um, <laughs> over50startingover.com and you uh, want to see his interview, just type it into the search bar. Neil Howe, H-O-W-E, it'll come right up. Anyways, we worked out a deal. He, he gave us a special offer. First of all, Neil specializes in helping entrepreneurs develop their trust factors. Now, this is something that's very important to me when I'm helping uh, build my clients' websites and I am using his flagship pro- product for a a site uh, that I'm working on right now for my uh, client that does lean development, lean manufacturing techniques for companies uh, as a consultant. So his flagship product is helps you. He helps you write and publish your own book in just a few hours of your time. It's a tried and true, true streamlined process. And it's in his own Ask the Expert format. Okay, it's about a 60-page book. It's in a Q&A style. It's easy for your prospects to read and easy for you to use as your own lead magnet. Uh, lead magnet is an introduction to your uh, unique product or service offerings. Hand them out at networking gigs, um, speaking engagements, and also offer the downloadable PDF version right on your website to help build your all-important email list. So it's it can be your flagship lead magnet. It's very important. Find our offer right on the homepage of over50startingover.com. Tell Neil 050 sent you and you'll get $200 off of the $2,500 price tag. That includes 50 books completely published 
uh, soft cover format. So it's a good deal as is, but you get an extra $200 off when you mention us. And as I, as I mentioned, I'm helping a lean consultant develop his online brand, and we are doing that for him as well. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention is uh, had a very successful launch, and it's all along these same lines, uh, juicywork.com. Last week, we launched the site. Sandy Mobley is a Harvard-educated business consultant. She has a team of business coaches that helps professionals find or refined their careers of passion. Does that sound like it belongs here or what? This is what we right. help inspire people with too. My friend Nancy Vallant, owner of nmvstrategies.com, is her marketing agency and they brought me on to put the classes online and work out the e-commerce and general brand. There, there are classes for individual professionals and separate classes for people who want to become a Juicy Work career coach. So check it out at JuicyWork.com if you have any interest in that. That's the extent of the 050 stuff because we got such a heavy, uh, heavy plate of items uh, to deal with here. Unless you had anything to add. I just wanted to say Juicy Work. I like the name of that. Actually, I, I understand what they're doing, but for some reason my mouth watered. <laughs> That's kind of funny. She also, <laughs> by the way, it's interesting. She also has published her own book. Uh, it's called Juicy Work, and it's available as the, uh, one of the lead magnets uh, on the site as well. And she's really a fantastic, very intelligent woman. So you couldn't be steered wrong if you're still looking for help finding your career of passion. Or right if you want to get into helping people find a career to become a business, a career coach. That's also oh, hey, that's kind of cool. It is kind of cool because yeah. we're always trying to help people find new opportunities. As we've always said, when you, when you have passion for what you're doing, it's not like, it's not like a job. No, like this isn't a job at all. Maybe no. a little bit today. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, but it, it's still, you have passion about what's going on because I mean, what is going on is affecting everyone, not only in this country, but actually all around the world right now. It's a crazy phenomenon. And I call it a phenomenon because Cash, if you would have told me a year ago, any of these things would have happened from, <clears throat> from, I mean, look at the year we've had. <clears throat> we've 2020. had <clears throat> yeah, geez, yeah, 20. starting out with an impeachment and, and uh, dealing with that to right into COVID-19 with uh, being quarantined. I mean, everyone being quarantined. What that's never happened before to no, suddenly weird. this whole thing goes up in flames, literally. Yes. Uh, we're seeing some really crazy things out there and, and people that seemingly, I, I mean, I was talking to my daughter recently and uh, we were talking about all these things that are happening. And she said, I never knew that there were so many crazy people in our country. Wow. That's something because your daughter, you know, kind of got her, what is the expression? Finger on the pulse, thumb on the pulse of that generation that's, you know, out there. Uh, they're the ones that are mostly people in their 20s, more younger 20s, though, are the ones that are out there, um, it seems to me, doing more of the destruction. Now, mind you, I want to make sure that we delineate the difference between protesters and looters. And I've been hearing even all day people 
confuse those two uh, because the, the, the people that are looting and causing vandalism and destruction are just flying in the wake of the protesters. And it's a very, it's a very consci conscious effort uh, so that they can get conflated with a very genuine and rightful movement that is going on right now. So we need to make sure that we differentiate that for our podcast. Yeah, I think it's really important that, uh, you know, protesting is part of our First Amendment uh, liberties important. that we have. And uh, we have the right to uh, petition the government, government regarding our grievances. And so we, that's part of being in America. But you know what I found really interesting is that the news media, in, in particular, keep calling, I, I will be seeing views, uh, images of, of looting, just blatant people mm -hmm. just, you know, running into these stores and just taking, just, just smash and grab, and they're calling them violent protesters. Really? I, I, I think that that's, yeah, oh, they're, over and they over. They have nothing to do with protesting. They're out there having a ball. That's just not a protest, right? They're, no, they're out there trying to take stuff for their own, uh, just for their own uh, greed. And they're just honestly enjoying destroying things. And, you know, we kind of have that as young people. We kind of have this innate desire for chaos and destruction. We really do. Uh, the yeah. older we get, the more civilized we get, you know? Well, it seems really strange. There's a, there's, I remember taking psychology classes in college and learning about something called groupthink and, sure. um, and just these, it, it seems to, uh, when you get into these, these mass mobs that we're seeing, uh, people seem to have lost their minds. I mean, you look at their faces, first off, there's no, there's no shame. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's television cameras. They're they're walking with loot <laughs> straight at the camera. They don't care. No. Uh, they don't feel bad about this whatsoever. They they seem to have a, a look in their eye that um, is. Uh, I mean, it looks like they're under some kind of a spell or something. And mm -hmm. I mean, this reminds me of these movies of uh, zombie apocalypse where people For are sure. moving really fast and they've got superhuman strength and uh, they're all acting as a group, but. But that's the thing is that we're seeing now that this activity is nothing less than coordinated. Oh, yeah. You know, you're, you're seeing where um, lots of uh, looting, where cars are showing up. Like as soon as a place gets open, a whole bunch of cars show up and uh, people are jumping out of the cars and they're, and they're running into the store and throwing things into the trunk. And this is all being coordinated over social media. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're this, there's no doubt about that, that there's no way that that could happen unless it's being coordinated in that, in that manner. And I think it's also interesting, as we've seen before this happened, uh, that there was this, this uh, whole fact-checking thing that hit the news media about, uh, you know, Trump censoring the Twitter. media. And, you know, it's bigger to me than Trump versus Twitter. It's, it's all about the premise of social media deciding who they want to censor it's and been who they getting don't want really to bad and again we've been talking about that in recent weeks i've been just uh fact checking other people and i get deleted yeah um, crazy no, right? it's gotten really bad you know the closer we get to the, uh that election i think the worse it's going to get 
And I don't know, Merle, I don't know what to do about that other than I told you I feel like I need to start uh, my own social media accounts and just parallel them. And I was thinking about calling one free book instead of Facebook. And, uh, but do I have time to do that? I mean, come on. Uh, it needs to be done though. Something needs to be done. Can we, this is a honest direct question to you because I always fall back on your, uh, expertise in current politics as well as historical and the constitution. Is there a way that the government could interfere and say, uh, Hey, this is propaganda. It's not free speech. We need to do something about this. Break it up as a monopoly. I don't know. Do you have any ideas? Well, they've done it in the past, and uh, we've we've actually seen this happen during many different administrations across history, um, where there has been a crackdown on the free press or any type of media where they have been restricted. We've we've seen that during. Uh, the Civil War period. We saw that uh, during World War One, World War Two, where the there have been media outlets that have been completely shut down. Not only that, that there were laws that were on the books where if you said the wrong thing, you could be imprisoned immediately. Wow. Is that the right thing to do? Um, that doesn't sound constitutional, but if you, if you say it's under a state of emergency, I would think then it is, correct? Well, that's a, there's a fine line there. And, sure. uh, you know, what exactly is a state of emergency? And during a state of emergency, is it important to shut down free speech when that's really the only way that the public can get information about what the state of emergency actually is? So it's a... Hmm. It's a complicated subject, and this is why the Constitution is very open about the First Amendment and our free speech rights. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that you can have free speech except for when an emergency exists. There's nothing about that in the Constitution, and there's a reason for that. So um, the, the, the Constitution is based on the premise that the truth has a ring to it, and therefore there should not be a fear that disinformation is out there as long as there's the ability to for someone else to come out and tell the truth and so what we're seeing right now is there is a large force out there that wants to shut down those people that have the ability to speak the truth and only filter filter that out and only allow people with an agenda to speak and we're seeing this also and i think it's interesting as we take a look at the nature of protesting, we've seen two different kinds of protests over the last couple of months. The first things that we started to do were see, and we even had Marion Sheridan on our, uh, our, our special podcast where she started a protest in Michigan regarding the extension of the stay-at-home um, executive order and how unconstitutional that was. So you, what we saw was we saw a peaceful protest in Michigan where people were there. Now, people did show up with AR-15s and Marion did not endorse that. However, uh, we didn't see any looting. We didn't see anybody being harmed. We certainly didn't see men beating up women. Uh, we, we saw them, uh, some of the signs that were there were signs I wouldn't carry, but mostly these were 
respectable signs. There wasn't any swearing that I saw, only occasionally. Mm-hmm. And now we've got this other protest. Granted, what we saw with George Floyd was disgusting. Um, and no one, anybody that sees that, that has a human heart, mm-hmm. uh, is going to disrespect what we saw. No. Uh, however, I find it very interesting, the, as we've seen this, that the protesters that are actually, or, or the people that are actually looting and beating up other people and destroying property are called protesters. I don't see, I, I saw where the media and the previous protests, the ones that were organized by conservatives, uh, were being criticized as people who were uh, nonchalantly endangering everybody else's health by oh, man, we got COVID-19. these people killing. Did you see that cop that got killed? I, Several cops a, have been killed, actually, in the past yeah, uh, week. It was a, a sad story. Uh, black cop, uh, like semi-retired, like, I think he was a security guard or something. Yeah. I, I wish I would have taken notes on it. But it just seemed he, such a nice, well-regarded person in the community. And, uh, and they killed him. Uh, in well, the, this is not a protest, man. No, no. <laughs> Well, what we saw with the uh, stay-at-home protests were we saw people in the media coming out and criticizing it. Uh, we saw them, like I said, the co- they're spreading COVID-19 and they're putting everybody's lives in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. They're going to make their grandparents sick. Uh, we heard from governors that this was uh, xenophobic and, and bigoted God. and that they were inciting violence. Uh, And also we heard Gretchen Whitmer threatening to extend the stay-at-home order because they were endangering people's lives by spreading COVID-19. We don't hear any of that with the uh, George Floyd protests whatsoever. In fact, what we've seen is this attitude. What I noticed is that most of these cities are run by Democratic mayors. Right. And we've seen an order go out to stand down, at least in the beginning stages of right. this, to stand down and let them blow off steam. We heard no... Uh, uh, yeah, call- glad my private property, my small business, wasn't out there being looted as, so that they could blow off steam. That burns my ass as a small businessman. Well, that's really the other thing, too, is that um, these aren't uh, the very people that the protests are supposed to be to protect, which is black lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, many black businesses have been burned to the ground. Right. And so um, you, you have to wonder what is up with this and the 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 two sides of the coin. It's if it's a conservative protest, then these people are 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 out to destroy America. But if it's a a liberal protester, I would say a leftist protest. Yes. Uh, well, they, they seem to be the heroes out there. And I wonder if George Floyd were still alive, uh, would he condone this? I don't think that definitely he would. not. His brother made it very clear that this was not what he want he would want it was super clear he gave a very poignant uh, he made his point with a megaphone to a large crowd was televised nationwide and it was right on the ball and i'm going to say again this is not a protest that we're talking about the protest uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't categorize it as left or right i think it's both sides i think everybody is on board that that uh, Minneapolis Police Department needs severely investigated for their culture. Here's what I'm And so it's not right or left. Here, now, where they took it, and they okay. took it into uh, looting, 
And they, they okay, the anarchy thing that took place after that, I don't, you could call that far left, I guess, or it's... Well, here's where I'm going with that, Barry, is Black Lives Matters is not a right-leaning organization, and they mm -hmm. seem to be leading the protests. And uh, Black Lives Matters is uh, uh, an organization that, you know, I, I have some issues here. Mm -hmm. I understand that Black lives do matter, but the whole organization was started with the whole Ferguson event with Michael Brown and the, the whole chant of hands up, don't shoot. Mm. That um, never actually happened. Right, the, right. We, we know that that didn't happen. And we, we know see that, this happen way too often. We know that Michael Brown actually, the, the evidence is that Michael Brown tried to steal the gun of a white police officer and was shot in the process. And we also know that Michael Brown had just... Uh, held up uh, a convenience store right before that. Uh, we also know that he was a gang member and we know that uh, he was a thug. And so the, the whole premise of Black Lives Matters was founded on this event that was a lie. And so I just say this, just like a politician that has a history of lying, how can we trust anything that they say? And what, what I've seen here is that everywhere that Black Lives Matters goes, it seems that violence is soon to follow. We don't see this in conservative movements. We don't see violence following around the conservative movements. Uh, going back to the Tea Party and then compare that to Occupy Wall Street. With the Tea Party, they cleaned up after themselves, but Occupy Wall Street, they left destruction everywhere they went. And we're seeing this, we've seen Black Lives Matters. I remember when they were marching in Dallas where several police officers were shot. And now we've got caches of bricks located where these protesters are and they happen to get used against police officers. Gosh, in, in Washington, DC, over 50 uh, Secret Service officers were taken to the hospital. They were injured over the last week. We're seeing tagging everywhere as well. That doesn't happen during, we didn't see that during Marion Sheridan's event where people brought spray paint and, and tagged uh, BLM or any kind of thing everywhere they went. Um, you know, if somebody spray paints my property, I'm gonna wanna kick some butt. But you know, what I saw in Washington DC was the whole entire area, all kinds of monuments, the, the World War II monument, um, the Lincoln Memorial were tagged. Well, you know what? That's my property. We pay for that. Our families have paid for that. And I, I just find it sickening. In fact, to the point where I'm having a really hard time even watching this anymore because oh, it's it, such it's a hard. shame what we're seeing. It's hard. And it, it's so wide reaching, Merle, when there is a video clip of a, a black lady yelling at these, I think they were female, white females that were spray painting Black Lives Matter on a wall. And she was like, here in Los Angeles. Yes. Was it really? Yeah. And yep. she's telling them to stop it. Like, they're just going to blame us and you have no right to do that. Think uh, how convoluted this movement has become with the whole white guilt thing i mean people uh have been manipulated with that for you know it's gotten big in the last 10 years and uh so the white guilt 
is being played out in so many different ways. But at the end of the day, politicians love this divide and conquer. Keep us divided all day long. We're not going to be able to talk about the important issues. We're not even going to be able to talk about the ridiculous budgets that have been passed in the way they've been distributed for COVID. And you know, the businesses that have profited so much as a result versus uh, how people like me, small business people have gotten screwed and we've been promised that they're going to take care of us. Now, we got to talk about all this fake racism stuff. And I don't want to say, I want to clarify that, no, the police brutality against um, Mr. Floyd, absolutely that that's a sickening thing to say the it least. Is. And as I said, the Minneapolis Police Department needs to be dug into deep with their culture. Uh, for agree. sure. That doesn't mean that the entire United States has a giant racial problem that needs to be uh, needs violence uh, to to try to solve it. I just think that uh, a peaceful protest goes a lot further than destruction does. Absolutely. And I would also say that police brutality and racism are actually two different things. Yes. Um, so we see that we see that, you know what, that's a good word for it, because we see that police brutality seems to know no color bounds. Um, Correct. And that you know, dude has something like 17 other uh, complaints against yeah. him. Yeah. And it, we don't that's know that sadism. this was racist, uh, uh, a racist motivated thing or not. I mean, as you take a look at the four police officers, um, you've got uh, one Asian there, you've got... Uh, Two white people, and then the third, um, Jay Alexander. He, um, I mean, there's. I was looking this up. He looks like he's black. Mm. Uh, it's hard to tell, actually. But um, you know, I remember growing up, and uh, two of my friends went down to uh, downtown Cleveland over the weekend, and they probably should have should not have gone where they went, but they ended up. On Monday, they were all black and blue. They had black eyes. I mean, they had been beaten severely. And it turns over, they were pulled over by police officers, and they got the snot kicked out of them. Really? Now, these are two white guys. Oh. Um, and, you know, so I think that probably everyone in this country can look back to a situation where they were mishandled by the police. Not Maybe Lisa. not in that Maybe not in that, you know, extreme, but mm -hmm. maybe they were talked to in a very rude way. I've had a lot of bad experiences. I was a very rebellious young man and pushed limits a lot. And I'll tell you what, police just, they're, they're given a lot of power. And if they see somebody like younger, they feel that power and they want to intimidate. They want to see if they can make you, you know, flinch kind of thing. It's a power trip all the way. And I also think that um, that what we're seeing today is really probably antagonizing or 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 irritating that whole situation when when the news media is showing um, mobs of people that are rushing into stores that have been broken into and just grabbing whatever. I don't think that that's helping police officers to feel like, hey, I should be gentle on these people. And, and you know, I mean, I think this is actually making it a lot worse. And also, it is. Uh, when you see that uh, there's, I mean, I can't help noticing that when this happens, it seems like the majority of the people that are running into these places are people of color. Oh, so I see 
I see a lot of white people, man, in those clips. A lot. I'm just saying that if if the protest is for about Black Lives Matters and uh, and and black people are down for this whole protest, then you're making it a lot worse by participating in anything like this. You're well, making it worse for other black people. I, I agree, and that's where I see the differences between the protest and the the looting. I well, think it, they're very different things. And here's what's so crazy about it is I was just watching a film where people seem to be peacefully protesting in broad daylight and somebody broke open a store uh, here. This was uh, this was also in Los Angeles. Somebody broke it, uh, uh, a plate glass window of an art uh, uh, museum. And as soon as that opened, what appeared to be peaceful protesters suddenly became extremely agitated and a bunch of them ran in there and grabbed whatever they could. And so these people that I don't know what's actually happening. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, to your point that you've made several times, I think it's going to take months for us to go back and Mm -hmm. look at all the evidence to find out exactly what's happening. But Mm -hmm. uh, it could be that. Uh, that peaceful protesters have been infiltrated by people that aren't very peaceful and have an agenda, and they're using the peaceful protesters as a shield. It could also be that some peaceful protesters are being uh, influenced by mob mentality when these bad actors start to act that way, that they end up being influenced by that. That's a, a psychological phenomenon that happens, and we've seen that before. It also seems interesting that uh, the protests seem to turn south as soon as the sun goes down. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it seems to be the, the common theme here. As soon as the sun goes down, boom, the violence starts to happen and places start to burn. Uh, all right. What do you think about uh, de Blasio telling the, the cops to stand down? 38,000 people on the police force and he's not using them. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think de Blasio has proven his ineptness over and over, over and over. Well before. Especially that. during this uh, COVID-19 thing, but well before this, you're right. When he was running for president, I saw him being interviewed and I just thought, what a, this is a person I would not want to have my, as my next door neighbor. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's true. And uh, I saw uh, Cuomo go after him as well. So now they got a little feud going on, uh, pointing fingers back and forth. Well, it's the, the, the two bad guys going after one another. I just, I, I don't have a lot of respect for what uh, Cuomo has done over the past several months, especially, but uh, he seems to constantly be looking for attention. And, you know, he, he, he was making comments about, dispatching with de Blasio because he had mishandled using the police force. Yet um, all he does is he seems to complain whenever he does get any kind of helping hand. And he's actually been a part of the problem as well, especially during the COVID-19 epidemic that we've seen, especially in the nursing home area. So I don't know. I, I, the thing I've seen that's um, disgusting is uh, his, uh, uh, what uh, coming on to CNN with his brother Chris Cuomo? Oh, and, those two uh, clowns! Oh, they seem to be God. making light of uh, the whole situation, and uh, you know, but then they become all sanctimonious when they want to. Yeah. I don't know these guys. How do you? How can you put any kind of credence into anything that they say? No, especially when Chris uh, Cuomo, who gets way too much airtime. Um, was uh, there's i saw the video he was saying that uh 
that protests do not have to be nonviolent, and that is protected with our First Amendment rights. He, yeah, not kidding. He definitely encourages. Uh, I did. Did I say nonviolent? Definitely can. Yeah, you uh, did. All right. They don't I, have to be nonviolent, is what you said, which is what I he said. Don't have to be nonviolent. Correct. So he was promoting yeah. the violence, the looting. Like this is not going to get any better until it gets worse. And I think that's I think that's so wrong. It, what you're seeing right now, what you've been seeing for the last week, is if this doesn't get shut down, it's like it's like dealing with a kid. You know, they they push, they push, they push, and if you don't show them the boundaries, they keep pushing. Well, don't you feel that what they have been saying, especially over the last several months, um, has actually been a major cause of the violence that we're seeing out there right now? I mean, the CNN building itself, the headquarters down in Atlanta was looted just the other day. Great. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. As long as the rest of this is, uh, you know, hey, take no prisoners. If you're going to uh, loot and pillage the rest of us, might as well do it equally don't want to be racist about it or or well, uh, i i i have i i think that i understand your sentiment there uh i'm being optimistic i know you are but um they they see it's the old you know they made their bed now they have to lie in it right. however the problem is is that they have become a propaganda machine and they have put out yeah. a lot of misinformation a lot of you know, as they would say, hate speech has gone out there. Just the other day, I was watching Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo having a conversation, and Don Lemon was saying that it's not incumbent upon black people to solve the racist problem that's happening in America, and that it should be the the people that have all of the power here and have had the power historically in America. And then he asks very sarcastically of Chris Cuomo and who are those people, Chris Cuomo and Chris doesn't hesitate and says white people. And um, now, you know, and, and then Don Lemon sits back and, you know, has that kind of sarcastic tilts his head and everything. And the first off the, uh, the arrogance and and also the the um you know this is uh well it's fueling it's irresponsible the fire. it's, it's irresponsible. very irresponsible but always fueling the fire always and, and it's not us, true pitting well, us against true. each other that, that know, kills me well this isn't about white people need to do something and black people need to just sit back and watch white people do it uh, because black people don't have any power to do anything right. about this. That is a lie. It's a lie. Just had now. a two term black president last I knew. Yeah. You know, and look at, look at the people that uh, especially the black leaders that are doing the, are speaking the loudest, like for instance, um, LeBron James, um, you know, LeBron James yeah. is one of the richest guys, is one of the most successful people, at least from a worldly standard, um, that uh, that's ever lived. And yet, you know, he's throwing stones here about uh, what's happened and not taking any responsibility whatsoever. I think this is all of our responsibilities that uh, that black people need to be able to work with white people and vice versa. Nobody's the the right race here and then there's a wrong race. And you know what else I'm getting tired of, Barry, is this whole uh, white privilege thing. Mm -hmm. And um, like you just mentioned, the whole white guilt thing, you know. As a black man, 
that doesn't help me to hear white people talking about how sorry they are because they've had white privilege. And I got to say, you know, down the street, we've got this Black Lives Matter protest that's happening in my park. It's a block away. And uh, I walk down there to look at it. They're peaceful. Okay. So we'll just throw that out there first okay. off. I'm glad good. they're peaceful. That's good. But what I notice is that, you know, what they're doing is they've got uh, these signs and they're saying honk if you support us so cars are going by and they're all honking and then as soon as somebody honks they're all woo you know and they've got these huge signs that say BLM so here's the the thing that jumps out at me is that there aren't any black people there they're all white people oh yeah yeah I don't I'm not surprised I think it was last week that we talked a lot about the virtual signaling on social media where it's gotten to the point where it's not a, a friendly place that if you want to continue to partake on Facebook or or Twitter something like that then you are it's in your best interest to virtual signal to say something about white people and uh, oh or uh, the the latest thing the last couple of days has been to tweet a black screen. You take a picture. Oh of yeah, phone I saw screen. that. Yeah. Oh my God, this is just absolutely out of hand. So here we go. And in my opinion, so my friend said this to me the other day. He said it's like ten percent of the population are the ones that are actually making the noise on social media. And I'm like, you know, I'd say that's just about exactly right. Maybe even a little less than ten, but it is about ten percent of the people that are obsessed with social media that then feel the need to virtual signal to say you're the racist. I'm not, and uh, so they got to throw out some crap about uh, Black Lives Matter and white. Um, what is it? White, uh, uh, white privilege. Yes. There you go. White, white privilege. And I'm telling you, Merle, this like goes back to, again, a couple of weeks ago, we talked, remember when we were, when we were kids and we used to watch TV about the racial problems, even have a laugh about them, then get serious for a minute and then all go, Oh man, that racism sucks. And, right. and that was all. And we understood it. And, man, we didn't really live. We didn't. Now, I'm not saying that at that time there weren't neighborhoods that were suffering from racism for sure. Really was. But I'm just saying we didn't have a media that fanned the flames of this violence, pitted us against each other uh, the way they do today, 40 years later. We should be so much more advanced than that. Which again, you know what? I'm telling you straight up that podcasting is making a bigger and bigger impact in the media today than because, because people are fed up with mainstream media. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. I was listening well, to Rogan's podcast this morning and I saw last night that a new podcast came out. Did not hear these people before. Crystal and Sagar are Sagar. Sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. You probably are. I probably, because that's what we do, (laughs) as has been pointed out a number of times. We're not good with names. Uh, Okay, so it's Crystal Ball, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. Sagar and and Yeti. uh, Okay, so Crystal is left and Sagar is is right. They have this podcast show together. And now she used to be on MSNBC. I mean, their right. credentials, they have great credentials. Okay. So yeah. she was on MSNBC. He was he was working in Washington in some regard and was doing uh, uh doing a lot of commentating on Fox News. So they're a very good fit. They they talk from opposite ends, but 
they, they, but like us, but they work it out, you know, they, they just go with it. And, and so it was very interesting, but it was very interesting that they both said towards the beginning of this, I only got halfway through it, by the way, they both said that, oh yeah, you get talking points. If you're going to stay in mainstream media and journalism, then you're going to get your list of talking points and it's going to be well written out what you're supposed right. to say. And, but that the, there's a trade-off. Your career will be shielded. You would be shielded from the ridicule. Even if what you're saying is wrong, you're going to be part of your team, such a big team that you will be shielded no matter, no matter what. So your career is on a trajectory if you stay with, within the talking points. That pretty much explains why mainstream media is the way it is right now. And they congratulated Rogan saying that, you know, people like you and hopefully people like us are opening up that dialogue where yeah. you're not bound to corporate uh, entities that are guiding uh, your advertising and, and things like that. So it was really interesting. Then they both threw out some things that I made notes of because I was like, wow, uh, it sounds very uh, party oriented. And can this be true? I'm just going to throw these out to you. Uh, at one point, Sagar, Sagar, whatever, claimed that Obama, who is former head of the National Security Council, thinks cybersecurity has been hired by China's ZTE telecom, giant telecom uh, conglomerate as either on the board of directors or as a lobbyist. I don't remember which. And uh, ZTE has been in the news a lot over in recent years. They broke a treaty agreement uh, supplying, I think, Iran and Iraq with, uh, so they broke the uh, embargo uh, mm -hmm. against them. And so they've been... Uh, uh, very chastised for that. Buddy, I tried Googling that left and right. I couldn't find anything about that. So is the claim that Obama, who is the former head of the NSC, and has now, it would, be, it would sound treasonous to me, who now joined the board of ZTE in China. I hope I mentioned it was China. Yes. Um, that would sound rather treasonous to me. So is that fake news or did Google bury it? I don't know. I'm throwing it out. Okay, separately, yeah. Crystal, who's very left, uh, said at least 10 times, I'm halfway through the podcast, but she said at least 10 times that someone used tear, I don't know if she's talking about the National Guard or police, tear gassed the protesters. She said like 10 times. Now, uh, additionally, the New York Times, NPR, Associated Press also reported all the same thing. It, this is NPR's headline. Peaceful protesters tear gassed to clear way for Trump when he did the, the plaza between St. John's right, Church right and Lafayette Park. And that's all the news is how the self-centered Trump uh, just carelessly tear-gassed peaceful protesters. It's been denied by, <clears throat> and people are, if you're on that team, you're going to like close your ears. You're not going to want to hear it anyway. But Kaylee, how do you say her name? Mac, 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 we might as well screw Mac, that up too. 
You might as well. So the, their, their spokesperson, the, the well, um, White House spokesperson, uh, and the U.S. Park Police, okay, think Lafayette Park, right. no one was tear gassed. They made it very clear. There's been a lot of misreporting. Okay, it's been said over and over again. So it's another case of, you know, you buy into what your team wants to put out there. And I, who am always skeptical, and I can't stand the fake news in the fake news bites, I'm always trying to fact check this stuff. And it's getting harder by the day. It really is. And it's hard to tell who's telling the truth. And yeah. by the way, I'm skeptical on both sides. It, it, just because it's, it's my point. so-called it's, conservative doesn't mean that it. it's true. Yeah, that's yeah. why I gave you on both sides. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, they were hair-raising. You know, what I'm seeing too, especially you brought up social media and what's happening on social media. And, and just, I was talking about the protests down the street and I went on next door and boy, oh boy, is that ever quite it's a it's a circus on that i've stayed right off now. of it for that reason I, I don't say anything i just look at uh what people what other people are saying but what i'm seeing and these seem seemingly all white people and they're if anybody has any criticism of the movement then what i'm seeing is somebody else will immediately swoop in and say um well you know, it's easy for you to say that from the comfort of your living room. This is the epitome of white privilege. Oh. And you don't know what it's like to be a black person. And black people are experiencing these atrocities every day. And you should educate yourself. And I said the white person. And, oh, that um, was a white person that said that. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, what oh. I, and, th and it's happening over and over. And I'm seeing people putting out uh, videos that, you know, are talking about the plight of the black person and how horrible it is for the black person. You know, nobody, I'm black. No one's asked me, well, what's been your experience? <laughs> uh, you know, in my neighborhood, nobody's asked me. They're just saying, this is what it is that I have white privilege. So I can go to the store and I can, I can go shopping without fear. And I can, um, I can, I've gotten a great education and this and that and the other, all these things that they can do that supposedly I can't do because I'm a black person. Mm -hmm. um, the, that's not true. None of that is true. Uh, yeah. By the way, I paid for my own college education. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm highly educated. I don't speak in Ebonics. I'm not afraid when I go to the store. Um, you know, we're, we're, I thought we were all in, in, in this together. I don't need people be. to actually take care of me because, or, or pity me because I'm black. But just as long as we're talking about this, I found an article that uh, Larry Elder put together, and he put some statistics that are out there. And, um, you know, we talk about this whole thing about the plight of the black person versus uh, white oppression and uh, uh, white people oppressing black people. And we're seeing that over and over again. And we're seeing where people like LeBron James are talking about how every time he goes out the door, uh, his experience is that uh, he says every day, every time we step foot outside the comfort of our homes, can't even go for a damn jog, man. Like WTF, man, are you kidding me? No, man, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm sorry. He was talking about Ahmad, uh, the guy in, in, um, in, uh, uh, in Georgia. And my prayers and blessings are sent to heaven above to your family. Uh, we're literally hunted every day, every time we step foot outside the comfort of our homes. Really? That's what he said, and uh, I got to tell you, that's not my experience. 
Uh, oh, it doesn't that's, matter that's where disgusting. I go. That's just not my experience. But let me just read this to you. And this is to put things into perspective. Uh, in 2018, according to the FBI's Bureau of Justice Statistics, there were about 600,000 non-homicide violent black-white crimes each year, with 90% involving a black perpetrator and a white victim. According to 90%. That's a big to, one. That's huge. According to economist John Lott, writing in 2014, quote, based on the most recent available FBI crime numbers, black male teenagers were nine times more likely to commit murder than were their white counterparts. That's mm -hmm. right, nine times. And the gap in these urban areas is undoubtedly even larger. Blacks kill as many as, uh, as, as many whites I'm sorry, blacks kill twice as many whites, 500 in 2015, as whites kill blacks, 229 in 2015. Consider the proportion of difference in the population. I was That's going there next. Sound, oh, okay. Blacks sure. at 13% of the population commit 50% of the murders and 90% of black murder victims are killed by, <coughs> by other blacks. The Wall Street Journal's Jason Wiley wrote, wrote in 2014, blacks commit violent crimes at seven to 10 times the rate as that of whites do. The fact that their victims tend to be of the same race suggests that young black men in the ghetto live in danger of being shot by each other, not cops. The number one cause of preventable deaths for young white men is accidents, like car accidents. The number one cause of deaths, preventable or otherwise, for young black men is homicide in That's absolute disgusting. numbers chicago often has more murders than any other city in america the population of chicago is approximately one-third black one-third white one-third hispanic yet blacks account for over 80 percent of the city's homicide victims as to the narrative of being hunted several recent studies found cops more hesitant more reluctant to shoot a black suspect than a white suspect. Wow. One such study was conducted by black Harvard economist Roland Fryer, who called his conclusion the most surprising result of my career. As for LeBron James, his work in the black community shows how much he cares. That's true. But his biggest contribution is that he married the mother of his children. If he encouraged nice. young black men to follow that example, he'd yes. make a far greater contribution than yes. by promoting racial victimhood. Oh, my God. That was the most powerful thing that was said on this podcast to this point. Well, the isn't most it interesting thing? that um, when you have, and we just look at Chicago as a result, and this is why I'm down on Black Lives Matters, is that over each weekend, we're hearing record numbers of black people that are being killed, supposedly those Black Lives Matters, by other black people. And where is Black Lives Matters then? They're mm. nowhere to be found. Correct. It's yes. only when a white police officer kills a black person, which is terrible, that it happened the way, what we saw, but we can't, we even cannot prove that that was racism. And so what's like the, I said, I think it proves this guy's a sadist when you back it I up agree. with his sub 13 other complaints or whatever it was. So here's where I'm going next is what is wrong with saying that all lives matters? Because that's be become- It does piss people off. And why? I don't, I don't understand know. why that is because- you I know, think they just, think it belittles their message. Well, how? I don't understand how that belittles their message. Because either, first man. off, you know, the whole premise of Black Lives Matters, who's saying that Black Lives don't matter? Nobody's Very saying true. that. 
Um, and why can't black people work with white people? How is it that they chant uh, no justice, no peace? How is that a nonviolent message? That's not a nonviolent, that's a, that's a, and you're pumping your fist when you're saying that? That is a message of violence. I'm sorry, and this guy, uh, Greg Napier, the Sacramento Kings TV play-by-play announcer, uh, went out and said that all lives matter, uh, matter, and he was fired. He was fired by from the really? radio station that he works for, and he was fired by the Sacramento Kings. Oh, that should be a protest right there. I'm telling you, and in here, this this guy was his family comes from a civil rights background. His parents were into civil rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have any kind of. He's 60 years old. There's no record of him being racist in any way. Sure. But people are just saying that this guy. It's it's crushed him. It's ruined this guy's whole life. It's this far left movement is. Tr- Really, it's taken over. It's scary because it's nothing but racist. I'm saying if you look at the facts that are out there right now, we've got a problem in the black community and people like Don Lemon saying that it's not incumbent upon black people to uh, take a hold of this racism thing. This is the danger. They are putting out very dangerous information right now. And look at what it's caused. They're burning down their neighborhoods. Look, we've had quite a problem with this whole COVID-19 thing, shutting down our businesses. Nobody's Mm -hmm. able to make money. Hey, I just saw a statistic out there that 50% of black people in this country, more than 50% are without a job right now. 50%. Mm -hmm. And now we're burning down their businesses, Barry. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. Do we see what's really happening right here? All lives matters. I'm not, all lives matter. I'm not ashamed to admit it. And I think it's sick that that's become a uh, uh, become demonized to be able to say that. And that does not belittle the Black Lives Movement. How come these people are so darn sensitive? How can they, I, I, if we're really going to tackle a grown-up issue, why can't we be grown-ups about it? You know, that's a really good, important point, because all we've done is raise spoiled brat kids for the last 20 years. And they, you know, helicopter parenting, they've never wanted for anything. Now they don't even know how to get out into real life and, and do the struggle. It's always, it's a struggle, man. Human life is a struggle. So you get out there and try to carve your way and do something meaningful with your life, but they're not prepared to do it. But but you know what they're prepared to do is anarchy. They've been taught uh, in these colleges and everything else all about this whole postmodernism crap that is just about uh, you don't really have a chance. Uh, You know, they're preaching socialism all the time. But at the end of the day, anarchy is going to be burn it down and start over. That's their purpose. So they feel a purpose with, you know, and most of these kids seem to be upper middle class. Uh, Their parents are well to do. <clears throat> probably on a trust fund, but are rebelling against their own parents' success. So they want to burn it down. People, people at that age, like I was, you're always very rebellious. You think you know it all and you have no idea that you know nothing. You've not earned anything in this lifetime yet. They've not earned a place to even protest what they're protesting about because they don't know what they're protesting about. <laughs> right. So they get out here and they just act like spoiled children. And they are. They're spoiled children. They, they didn't get a spanking when they needed it uh, when they were growing up. And they need one now. And 
and we just continue to do it. This, this is what drives me crazy. Do you hear about the Minneapolis Freedom Fund? I'm sure you have. No, it's I haven't. Mostly uh, celeb driven. There's oh, $20 yes, million. $20 million in this fund to bail out jailed protesters and looters and vandals. Protesters, fine. But there's no discrimination between <coughs> them and the looters and vandals. And this bothers me to no end because these celebrities are mostly uneducated. They're fully self-indulgent. as a self-indulgent segment of the population that back in the old British times, they were the, the court jesters. They were the yeah. fools. Now they celebrate them with knighting them. Sir well, this, sir that. They, these people actually are not really being affected by what's happened. They live in gated communities. The, these, uh, these mobs aren't coming to their neighborhoods or burning down their businesses. So, um, and I'm hearing many of them talking about defunding the police. Here in Los Angeles, uh, Mayor Garcetti just came out and said that he was going to divert $150 million of funding to the police to neighborhoods of color. Oh my God, that's again, so racist. This entire movement is so racist. And I was going to say about the celebs doing this and because we have a real culture problem that we look up to celebrities so much and listen to what they say, which is completely ass backwards. As I said, they were the court jesters. They're here to just entertain us, to pretend. They're pretenders. When uh, they get a photo op with a Harvey Weinstein or that Jeffrey Epstein. They're all about it, all smiles and hugs until they get out. They know that uh, the one's a pedophile and the other is raping women left and right behind the scenes. Everybody in that circle knows that stuff. But because of their power, oh, they're all, they want that photo op with us until it gets outed. Then right. they're all shunning everything. Then Oprah needs to make a speech at the Oscars right away because she knows that there's a ton of photo. Sorry, Lisa. I know you love Oprah and she t today does a lot of good. I know she does. But she's also done this as well. She got up there and made this grandiose speech at the Oscars or Golden Globes or whatever a couple years ago about the Me Too movement. And she's got, you know, photos everywhere of her and Weinstein. And it's that she knew what the hell was going on. All of these celebs know that's what's going on. That's why they want to take this opportunity to virtue signal, talk about white privilege and all of that crap. They're just taking an opportunity and they're too dumb to know that they're burning down their own town. Yeah, so I boy, you said a mouthful there, and I totally agree with your sentiments there. And we I, have to know, stop worshiping these celebrities and LeBron James and these people that don't, they're out of touch, they're they completely are out, out of, of touch. touch. You're absolutely right. I don't know why they're, they're held to such a high mm. uh, regard in our society because they're, like you said, they're actors, they they're why pretenders, what well, they they. Their job is to pretend to be somebody else. Yes. Uh, that's not to say all of them are bad, but gosh, look at, look at what we're seeing right now. A lot of right good now. ones. Look good at what ones. we're seeing right now. So I guess with the time that we have left here, Barry, and I know we're probably at we're about, about an, an hour, hour right exactly. Now, yeah. um, how do we make this stop? I don't know, Merle. I was going to ask you the same thing, but I think that's the most important question that we could possibly ask. And what I got to say is it's podcasts 
listen to the freaking podcast that dare to expose both sides, uh, dare to talk about racism rather than virtue signal and point to other people and say that they're racist. Is what we got to do, I, here, here's something that I try to do on a daily basis is when I'm going down the street, I live in a very diverse neighborhood. You do. I say hi to everybody that makes eye contact with me. And you know what? That is more often than not returned with a scowl or uh, looked away, but I plant a seed. They walk away wondering, maybe I should have said hi. Maybe I'll say hi next time. That I love of- that. I uh, love that, Barry. That's uh, what we can do. What you're actually saying is love thy neighbor. Give and it a shot, man. If people would just do that, it, and just the people that are around you, all four corners. Or give a smile be, at least. Be good to those people. It's like Smile, say hi. Take the scowl off That'll your face. That'll change the world. That will. will change the world. I, I remember when I first moved here, uh, people would, I'd be out on my porch and people would walk by and they'd act like I wasn't there. And I'd be, hey, hi. And, and you know what? At you first, changed that area, like, didn't you? Weird, you know, I got a weird kind of response at, at first. first. Yes, I've lived here for over 10 years now. I, now, if I open up my door, a crowd shows up <laughs> all laughing and having a good time and everything. I and I live in a very diverse neighborhood too. And, yeah. uh, uh, but, but um, it's funny. I just noticed the other day, there's a lot of different nationalities here. Um, but not a lot of black people here. I didn't see any of them at the Black Lives Matter thing. So I'm That's like, so none, of them, none of them asked me about this at all. But, you know, if they do, I, I would love that. And I would love to have conversations and talk. And, and, and they might think differently than me. And they mm. might go away thinking differently than me. But at least they've given me an opportunity to share my heart. And I'll give them an opportunity, too. And the other yeah. thing, too, and I think we, we have to really embrace this, is that we have to be humble enough to hear other people with a yeah. different opinion and be open to the fact that maybe I disagree with them. But what if they're right? And, and, and have that kind of dialogue with people. I think that kind of thing can change the world. Uh, but this whole thing about no justice, no peace, well, that's a terrible message to send is that, hey, let's work through our grievances, but let's not tear down our neighborhoods or incite violence or, or even pumping our fists. Let's, let's, mm-hmm. not, let's put the fists away here mm-hmm. uh, because look at what's happening. It's, it's, it's a shame. And I just think love is the answer here. And we, mm-hmm. we've got to start spreading it. And it starts with me. Uh, Don Lemon is wrong. Uh, yes. It's incumbent upon all of us, black, white, brown, yellow. It doesn't matter. We're all the same inside. We were all made in the image of God. And we all have that dignity about us. And we should, we should give dignity and respect other people's dignity. It doesn't matter what color they, that they are. That's very well said. And the the bottom line is, ask yourself, do you feel hate right now? Are you watching media that is working you up and make you feel hate, whether it's social media or mainstream media or whatever? If you feel hate, you're part of the problem. What we need to do as quickly as possible is be able to recognize this for what it is. It's manipulation. It's largely driven by mainstream media to pit us against each other, to drum up hate and bring down our culture as we know it. And nobody, look, we all don't want racism. Recognize 95% of us don't want racism. Recognize that. So that we can get beyond this and start talking about the things that are 
what's really going on in Washington, the corruption that's really there, the biggest issues of the day. We need to get to a point, I'm just putting a, a cap on this, where we recognize this right away and go, damn, they're doing it again. That's ridiculous. Let's move on. Let's just not even cover that crap. Let's move on to the real issues. I love what you're saying, Barry. And you know, again, as, as a black man here in America, I'm going to be 54 this week. Um, yes, hey, you are. Happy I gotta birthday. Say, thank Welcome you. to the crowd of 54. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I just want to say this, that it's the best time ever. In, I mean, we, we see this in the media, but this is the best time in my entire life regarding racism. It's it at an all-time low. Wherever I go, I don't feel people are looking at me. Oh, there's the black guy. Look out for that guy. I, no, they're going, I'm sorry for my white privilege. That's uh, what they're and, doing. And I, and I, don't, I don't need right. that. That doesn't do anything We're for me. We're not equal. I, I, it's, yeah, and it, makes, it actually puts me on a lower part of the totem pole it because does. I have to be somehow coddled like a little kid. I don't need that. I'm a man. Right. Uh, to, I want to be respected as an equal. That's yeah. all that I want. And, and so we're actually, the last few months, we've been going backwards. Let's, let's not, this is for football, let's not, let's not get the penalty and have to regain the ground that we've already fought so hard to, to achieve. Let's keep, right. let's, let's move forward. And let's, just like in football, let's fall forward, not backwards. This whole oh, thing is, we need, to, we need to keep moving this ball forward. And, you know, the fact is, is this, Barry, this country's been through so many worse times than this. We haven't seen anything like this in our lifetimes, but gosh, we've been through a civil war and we survived that. We've mm-hmm. been through uh, world wars and we survived that. We've mm-hmm. been through prejudice and, and the Jim Crow laws and the lynchings that happened and we survived that. Mm-hmm. We can survive this, but we need to put our heads together. We can't be divided. And it seems like I love what you were saying about the media. Do you feel hate? You know, I had to turn off the media because I was starting yeah. to feel hate. Yeah. And it, there's a hate message that's being, uh, that, that is trying to infiltrate into it. us. Turn, turn it, it off. off. Turn it off and start to uh, um, indulge in positive messages, message of, messages of love, and do things that are helpful help yeah. your neighbor, love your neighbor, be yeah. good to the people around you. And, and if it starts with you, it's infectious. That'll change the world. It's just like, um, if you've ever been to one of those candlelight uh, uh, vigils where one person has a candle in a stadium and then they pass it to the next guy and they pass it, pass it. And pretty soon the whole place is lit up with candles. It's the mm-hmm. same principle. We can do that with love. You know, what would be really nice taking that a step further is how about if George Floyd is remembered for the rest of time for producing an extraordinary peaceful time? In other words, how about if we, if we take stock of ourselves and our own behavior and emotions right now and say, do you really want George Floyd to be remembered as uh, going down in this very violent uh, going backwards with racism type of thing. No. How about we just suck it up a little bit and say, how about for George uh, that we just suck it up and, and, and start loving each other a bit more and try, do our part on it as an individual to spread a little more peace and love it. So when his name is brought up, it warms your heart because his name is going to be remembered in American history like some of the other uh, great uh, protests, like an MLK even, you know, it's going to be, he's going to be synonymous with a movement here. 
you know? Yes. Let's make and it a I positive think, one. That's how I want to be remembered, too. And I, I'm my favorite quote from the I Have a Dream speech is that he had a dream that one day people would be judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. And I want to live in a colorless society where mm-hmm. people are definitely judged by the content of their character. And I think that that's the most just society to live in. So it's up to us and we need to take that responsibility, not just push it onto other people or, or, or guilt other people. We need to take the bull by the horns here and uh, be a person of character. Well, I'm glad I brought up MLK there to give you that. That's, that's perfect because actually a better analogy would have been Rodney King. Uh, yeah, you know, got a victim there that his words become synonymous with a part of a movement. And so that would be more apropos. But I like that uh, you're able to quote Martin Luther King Jr. there. It's very appropriate. Uh, those are good parting words, too. And I just want to say, haven't mentioned it. Please go to uh, over50startingover.com to sign up for any of our podcasts. Uh, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, like us, give us a, a comment. We really appreciate your comments. And um, hopefully you guys are on board, or listeners, with uh, spreading a little more positivity in light of all this. We've been through a lot here the last, last few months, especially the last week or two. Yeah, I think they are. We've got a good audience. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Merle. I look forward to talking to you in better times next week. Yep, for sure, Barry. All right.